Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Morning, everyone. Evolutionary.org hardcore podcast coming your way. This is episode 132. Larry Wheels Williams steroid cycle. We're going to be talking about Larry Wheels. <laughs> Steve Smee here in the Mobster joining me for this episode. Very special episode. Mobster, he's a big fan of this guy. Um, one of the um, strongest men out there. So he's uh, stronger than we found someone that is actually stronger than Mobster to to do on this show. Right? <laughs> he's stronger than you, right? Yeah. I think <laughs> there's a there's a few. <laughs> All right, guys. So Larry Wheels Williams, guys. He's a guy that you may have heard of. Um, it was funny because a few years ago I wrote an article about him, and he only had uh, Mobster and I were talking about this on a pre-show. He had somewhere around 150,000 followers yeah. on his instagram now this morning i pulled up his instagram and he's up to over 2 million between 2 and 2.5 million so over the past three years he's definitely made a name for himself Uh, when i wrote the article he was just starting out a lot of people had heard of him but definitely has a catchy nickname larry wheels williams what a name for a uh, power lifter he is a world record holder wrpf 242 pound division in powerlifting. And then since we wrote the article, he has won numerous, numerous competitions. He has set records. He's still kicking ass. Um, and he's doing some other stuff now with businesses and stuff on the side, like all these guys do. But the interesting thing is he's not an old guy. He's very, very young. He's only 25 years old. So he's got, um, you know, he's got some years ahead of him. Uh, the nice thing yeah. about powerlifting is uh, you don't peak very early with, when it comes to powerlifting. It's different than, say, uh, some other sports out there or sprinting, for example. When you're a sprinter, obviously, the, the older you get, the slower you're going to get. That's just how it is. Eventually, you know, you're not going to be able to run as fast as you did. But with powerlifting, guys seem to be able to get stronger as, as long as they can stay healthy. So, He's flirted with bodybuilding. Um, I can remember when I wrote the article, there was some talk that he would switch over to bodybuilding. But now, three years later, we've seen that he stuck to his bread and butter, which I'm glad he did. I was actually, uh, when I wrote that article, I was was worried about that. I was like, no, dude, stick to what you're doing well. Don't try to don't try to, you know, there's too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to this stuff. Stick to what you do well. You're blessed for this particular thing. So I'll bring in Mobster to talk a little bit about that. But first, let's talk yeah. about his, his childhood a little bit. Um, there's a lot of information about his childhood, and it really is one of those uh, rags to riches situations. He was born in the Bronx, which is you know a rough part of the Bronx in New York City. It's a place where he was exposed to a lot of drugs, drug dealing, violence, stuff like that. Very similar upbringing to what we saw from Mike Tyson, who's a guy we had uh, we had done uh, previously. So, 
Yeah. Uh, this things that these guys have to overcome when you're exposed to that type of childhood, it's not easy to get a good education. It's not easy to have role models that the role models that you're looking up to are the drug dealers in the neighborhood driving around in in nice cars. Those are the role models. So it's not hard to overcome that. And most of these guys, they end up either, either dead or in prison who grew up in these really, really bad neighborhoods. So I bring a mobster on this. Um, tell us a little bit about your thoughts about his early life. So I, I didn't know he'd, he'd actually had quite the upbringing uh, that you say he had. And, and of his pre-show research, you go away and you look at these things. And I'd seen a bunch of his videos and had no idea about his background. And essentially what happened was he's, he's, and he, he, he does, does this, this video. He's put all this stuff out there for us to go and look at. It's not something that someone else has told the story of. He's told this story. So essentially what's happened is his mum had multiple boyfriends after dad left. Uh, that's kind of background, someone to keep company with, whatever. And uh, he was taken into foster care by the police. Mum and the boyfriend were having a fight one night. The boyfriend calls the police. He looks like a good guy. Mum's still kicking off. She's still angry. She's still ranting and raving. The parents say this situation doesn't look right. The police, sorry, doesn't situation doesn't look right. And they take Larry away. He ends up with uh, two foster families or two foster situations. He said it was great. They were really good. And uh, this is what kind of got into uh, hooking up down the gym with a fella that seemed to know what the hell was going on. The problem was Larry was only 16. And so what was happening was he'd been introduced to drugs at 16, 17, 18 years of age, and at the same time, steroids. So there's a bit of a back story in terms of his very rough, as Steve said, upbringing. Uh, could have been a real, real bad start. Tyson Eskin is, you know, hanging around with the wrong kinds of people or older people doing older people's stuff. When you're only 16, 17, 18, you're looking for probably a, a male figure, someone to hook into, who's going to guide you. And he admits he fucked up. He steroids too early, he was doing narcotics when he shouldn't have been, and, and whatever. So it's crazy how he's managed to turn that side of his life around. Now, during his journey to where he is today, there's another video out there. And this is how crazy this stuff is. And again, this is a video he himself has put out where he essentially was talking about an online live sex edition where you chat to girls and these girls put on a show and he had spent probably about four-fifths of the money that he was earning from his videos. He's telling you how much money he's earning from his videos. He's telling you how much money he's been from being a YouTuber. And then essentially says, most of that money's gone. I've been, I've been spending it on these live sex chats. It was absolutely crazy. Now, Steve Spee and I know in terms of his impact is one of his videos has got 130 million views so let's just just on the bucks that larry's probably made something like 10 15 20 000 just from that one thing just from the that the google ads or whatever on that video to then waste that money with this background you kind of kind of understand it so in some ways he's turned his life right around and he realizes when he makes mistakes and he corrects them. It's not like some guys that carry on doing stupid stuff. You've seen no crazy, angry videos from Larry. He's not out there shouting at the world. He's not out there blaming everybody else. When he fucks up, he admits to the mistake. And he realizes there's been parts of his past that could have been really, really screwy. What seems to happen now is that he's got this stuff back on track. He loves lifting. He's very, very, very good with the collaborations. I think the people that he's surrounding himself with now are very, very positive. So yeah, we'll get into 
other aspects of that as well in the training, the nutrition. Back to you, Steve, for a moment. If you guys check out his Instagram, it's actually very entertaining scrolling through uh, some of these videos. I don't know, Lobster, if you looked at these. He does a lot of videos with a girl. I'm assuming it's his girlfriend. I didn't really look into that. Um, yeah. And there's not. Well, I, recent, I, uh, yeah. yeah, I couldn't find much about her, but there is a, a girl that he does videos with. They're kind of funny videos. And he has a lot of, uh, Mobster and I talked about this on the pre-show, and I think Mobster, he can touch on this more, but he does a lot of, uh, arm wrestling yes. uh, has a lot of arm wrestling videos he has a lot of videos with him um, picking up two people at once he has videos of him strength training his videos of him crushing objects like pants yeah. and stuff like that so i think this is right up uh your your alley mobster i think you and him would have a good time uh, crushing i think so there's a couple of things that he's done that I, I, in fact he's actually been more than once to a fellow grip guy like myself, who I nearly had to do some work for. So just like one of those things, that it's like the seven degrees of separation is set between me and Larry, there's one degree of separation. So yeah, for sure. The gripper stuff that he's done, he's picked up thick handled dumbbells. He's had different guys come and try these things. He knows the same guy that invited me off to Dubai to do a strength competition. We couldn't hook up that particular year. So maybe when this COVID stuff calms down, I'll be able to go out there. And who knows, there could actually be at some point a mobster and Larry Wills and my buddy video all together doing crazy stuff with some of their fellas, picking up different thick ass dumbbells and, and grippers and whatever. So yeah, I think Larry is probably more aware of what works and what doesn't work when it comes to these kind of podcasts. So he, for example, I've joked when it comes to Larry, there's, there's not, I don't think there's a single video when he doesn't take his shirt off when it comes to training, because he knows that those, those, those uh, figures and the data for YouTube supports the fact that everybody wants to see Larry's physique. But he's equally is a very, very strong guy. I mean, we're talking about 500 plus pound bench press. We're talking about, I think, close to 800 pound uh, deadlifts. We're talking about 700, close to 800 pound. I think might even be slightly more on the squat. Uh, I, I said to Steve in the, in the pre-show, in terms of the strongman stuff, which he had to go at, he very, very nearly got the American uh, overhead uh, record for the log press. Uh, He's done a bunch of stuff with the, the biggest video, which I mentioned earlier with 130 million was with arm wrestlers. And he's one of the things that Larry, again, is very, very good at is the collaboration. He will bring in other athletes. Collaboration has a double thing that the both of you will have an account. Both of you have YouTube or, or, or uh, Instagram and working together is, is a, an additional benefit to you both. So if you've got 100,000 views, having someone else on get you 120, 130,000 views and that applies to both of you. And then what also seems to happen with his videos, which is really cool, and Steve's me and I will know about this, it's like when you have buddies over to train with you or you go to the gym instead of training at home, everything goes up 5 to 10%, both the intensity, the weight on the bar, the back and forth. There's an atmosphere that sometimes comes with these people and all of the fellas and the ladies that he's working with are pretty much world-class. They're either world-class bodybuilders, world-class strongmen, world-class powerlifters, world-class arm wrestlers. So that's really, really cool. If you're just a fan of the iron game, the idea that you can train yourself up to this high level is great. But the idea that you can bring in someone else to, to appear on video, you'll get hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views, which is great for social media and, and making a name for yourself and, and bringing in the bucks. But you're also training with someone else who's as famous, if not more famous than you, who might be 
is the number one person in their field and they've come, they're teaching you how to improve your game. So that's cool. And that's what I think comes across on these videos. Uh, the, one, of the, one of the girls that he did some uh, training with and she was showing them how to train legs, et cetera, et cetera, is this, um, is the, she actually had a gym down in uh, Bridgend, which is about 30, 40 miles away from where I am. And it was kind of cool to see her because I'd been to her gym and trained there and all this kind of stuff. And she was a fantastic coach. So there's a Welsh accent and she's kicking his ass on leg extensions. It was amazing. And you see a lot of that kind of stuff. 99.9% .9 of these videos seem like you'd like to have been there training with them and having a fun time, Steve. I, I think that. And then when it's world-class bodybuilding, world-class strength, world-class powerlifting, that just takes it up another level. It's not just fun. It's intense. It's strong. And you, you'd like to be on the sidelines. And hell, hell, half the time you're looking at these videos, there's people over there watching, and, 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 and you kind of see that they want to be involved. It just looks like a great thing to be involved in if you love strength sport, if you love bodybuilding, if you love weightlifting. Yeah, about you, Steve. There's a um, there's a famous little uh, thing that he also has on Instagram where he's with uh, the CZN Burak, which is he's a Kurdish worldwide uh, restaurant owner. And for those of you who don't know him, uh, the guy's got over 21 million followers on Instagram. He's he has wow. a uh, he has four restaurants around the world and one in Dubai. Oh, I know this fellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Monster, I'm sure you've heard of him. If you guys. Ever, so I've seen the video. Yeah. So Dubai is one of the, the places a lot of, you know, athletes go to a lot of celebrities, a lot of athletes. That's the place in the Middle East that everybody sh likes to visit. And they're very, you know, they're, it's a it's an amazing uh, place to go. And when he was there, he was with a bunch of uh, other athletes and, and they experienced the whole thing um, at that restaurant. So um, that's a cool little little video to check out. And if you guys ever visit Dubai, that's a, that's a place. So that kind of gets us into nutrition and Larry wheels, you know, he doesn't make any bones about it. He, um, he definitely is a, a big eater when you're look powerlifting guys, when you're training for powerlifting mobster noses, you got to eat a lot. I mean, you eat a lot of food and with powerlifting, you know, you want to be strong. You got to basically feed your body. So when it comes to nutrition guys, he's eating a lot of food but he's eating good quality food. He's going to restaurants like this. He's not going to go to McDonald's to get a burger. He's going to go to a restaurant like this to get a burger. It matters. It matters where you get your food from. It matters the quality of the meat. It matters the quality of the, of the bread that's on that burger. Um, all that stuff matters. The condiments, you know, are they condiments out of a little package or are they condiments that are made from scratch? All that matters with these guys. So yeah, his diet, I have no doubt, uh, Mobster, he's probably bringing in at least on some days five, 6,000 calories minimum. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. With his, with his size and with his, 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 um, his strength, you got to do it. Not every day, but on, on a lot of days, he is doing that for sure. Yeah. I'm, I think there's just a couple of things that occur to me. First, first, how cool is it that you get to go to that kind of restaurant and the guy treats you like a star? And in fact, on one of the videos I've seen, Larry was just kind of dancing. I think it's very exciting to be there. Steve Bitsmead is correct 100% when it comes to this nutrition and the difference between bodybuilding and, and palliative. And in fact, Larry and Steve and I talk about this in the pre-show. We were saying that Larry's actually had a couple of injuries from being too lean for some of the strength sports that he's done. So he's, if he's bodybuilder lean, he's not necessarily powerlifter lean or, or strongman lean. In fact, strongman lean is very rare. And the fact 
uh, between the, the muscles is kind of supportive and actually helps with injuries and stuff like that. So sometimes being a little bit heavy, a little bit puffy, a little bit overweight helps with those things. Now, not so much because I don't think Larry's ever going to be a big fat guy. And in terms of the nutrition, I think Steve's me spot on. I would imagine that Larry's getting 5,000 clean calories pretty much every day. And when you, when you watch these series of videos that he's done, he has been over 300 pounds, but I don't think he likes being over 300 pounds. Equally, being super ripped, vascular, et cetera, et cetera, which is great for the visuals, great for what you're looking at on video. It's just not good for him being in condition for some of the strength stuff that he's doing. Uh, you're more likely to have strains. You're more likely to have tweaks. And, of course, Larry's not just doing this. He's take, he's, he's arm wrestling world champions. He's, he's lifting against world champion lifters. He's, he's, he's lifting against world's strongest men competitors. Heck, he's talking about guys in the top three, top four that he's had when they've done his collaborations. And you can't be super ripped and super lean for that kind of stuff. I don't think we're ever going to see an out-of-condition Larry. I think he understands and appreciates how good it looks for being on, on the YouTube videos. Listen, it's like these guys that do the sports car videos. You're never going to get them turn up with a Ferrari that hasn't had a wash and a wax. Larry knows it, it looking good is important. But equally, he's learned the hard way with small bicep tears, small lat tears, a bunch of other tweaks. He tells you if you know if I'm training today, but I can't do this for my arm or my shoulder or whatever. And again, Steve, me and I know this. If you push yourself in the gym, the risk of injury is kind of high. It's otherwise it's incredibly safe. If you don't go crazy, it's you know, you're gonna get more, more injuries slipping over in the supermarket. But you need to be kind of careful and Here's the thing, Larry makes his living from looking good and being strong. So he needs to be as injury-free as possible. So I suspect he actually should do a nutrition video. He should actually, not one of these, how many calories can I eat in one day things, which a lot of YouTubers do, but sit down and talk about with a nutritionist perhaps or dietitian on camera and say, listen, this is the reason why I eat this way. This is what's helped me. This is what's helped me recover and so on. So yeah, I think the nutrition probably underplayed as far as Larry's concerned, and he ought to do a little bit more on it. And, and, and you know, like I said, there's a bunch of videos where they go to a restaurant and they try to eat the world's biggest steak. There's a lot of lot of the lifters have done that one, you know. A four-pound steak, can we eat in an hour for free? There's lots of that kind of stuff. But Larry needs to sit down perhaps and say, you know, it's a bit boring, but this is what I have for breakfast. This is what I have for snack. This is how I recover after training. This is what I eat when I'm doing strongman. This is what I eat when I do powerlifting. This is what I eat when, I do, when I'm bodybuilding. Uh, it, the euphemism we have in the UK, and I'm sure you've got something similar in the US there, Steve, is a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, Larry, I think, has begun to realise that he needs to be focused in one particular area for the, the, the least amount of injuries. There's always going to be a risk. And to eat for that sport. It's not a huge difference between one sport and the next. You know, and I know this, Steve, when we're on the forums and we're giving out advice as far as nutrition is concerned, but you don't need to be anal when it comes to counting the calories or the fat content and all that kind of stuff when you're doing these other sports. And a little bit of fat in your diet is healthy for you. Uh, the stuff that we talk about with is N2 uh, joint RX or glucosamine sulfate for joint support and this kind of stuff. It's the things that Larry would need to look at and make sure that he stays as injury-free as possible. Fish oils for the same reason, keeping that skin supple. No one wants to see skin tears. No one wants to see any more muscle tears. I believe he's had a, a, a minor tweak to the pec. So there's a lot of stuff out there and the nutrition is an important part of making sure those things happen, don't happen and, and to stay as injury-free as possible. Or if you do get an injury, that you recover as quickly as possible. There's no good. Larry can't have three months out. He can't have two weeks off. 
he's doing this stuff all the time. His living is done on a daily basis, to quote Louis Marco. This, this stuff needs to be, he needs to be putting out videos, one or two videos a week. And he needs to be doing this for hopefully for the rest of his life. And not only that, as Steve Smith said earlier on, he's a young man. He's, if, he's, if he's 25, 26 years of age, he's got potentially strength-wise, what Steve touched upon, 14 or 15 more years to max his strength out. Now, if he gets a major injury between now and then, if his nutrition's not on point, then that's his career over. We've seen guys tear quads. We've seen guys rip, you know, rip the peck fully off the bone. We've seen biceps disappear up into the armpit. So fingers crossed, he learns, he pays attention to the stuff. And of course, as we're about to get into in a little while, the whole uh, pharmaceutical side of things, the PEDs, might be part of the reason why he's getting those little injuries. Of course, he could take the PDs, not get an injury, but then he wouldn't be doing a five or six hundred pound bench press or an eight hundred pound, nine hundred pound squat. So you know the risk comes with it, but the reward for Larry is also coming with it. I like the guy; he comes across really, really well. So yeah, let's, I, I would like to see more nutritional information on what he's doing, if only so that his followers can apply some of the benefits and, and, and the good lessons that Larry has learned for himself. Steve, back to you. Yeah, and with all the steroid use he's using, guys, and with his genetics, he's able to eat that much food oh, yeah. and not turn into a fat couch potato. Mm. Now, most of you listening to this, 95% of you follow his diet and eat that much food every day. You're just yeah. going to get fat. So, I mean, you, gotta, you guys got to factor that in, too. So don't just be like, oh, yeah, Steve's saying go eat burgers and 20 burgers, 20 mini burgers like he has in his videos and stuff. Guys you know, that's, that's not going to fly. He also on Sundays, he'll eat very little food as well. He, he knows how to balance things out. There's a balance to this. It's not just go and eat 20 burgers every day. So it's a balance. So don't get too caught up in that. So if you're a younger guy, you know, and you want to get into weight training, mobster, we're going to get into steroids in a little bit. Um, we're going to have to, we're going to have to touch on this, even though he used steroids at a young age, we're not oh, telling yeah. you guys at 18 to go use steroids at a young age, but we're going to touch into that a little bit, but first mobster touched a little bit on his weight training. What do you have to say to other 17, 18 year olds who want to get into powerlifting? How should they start? I was lucky. I had a really, really good weightlifting yeah. coach free of charge uh, in high school. He was uh, a, a football coach. And he got paid pretty well to be a football coach. So he was able to put it, spend a lot of time on us because to him, getting us weight train was advantageous to him as a football coach, you see? So there was an incentive. So I was blessed to have that. A lot of people don't though. A lot of people don't have that uh, opportunity. So touch a little bit on what we recommend lobster for a guy who's in mid, mid to late teens who wants to get into powerlifting safely and effectively. Something we've we've talked about on the forums, and even Larry, with with, with his kind of mentor, 16, 17, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, being a guy that was taking him out and they were doing the drugs and the alcohol, in the gym, he was a great mentor. And uh, for the 16 and 17-year-olds there, and something we said on, on, on the forums, I would actually recommend, and I think Steve Smith would agree with this, pay someone who's qualified to show you the basics properly. Now, you don't have to pay this guy on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis, but you could have three or four lessons from a guy that's been there, seen there and done it, and hopefully is qualified to coach you. Sometimes the best coaches are not qualified, that's by the by. And you, say, for example, you want to you want to do powerlifting, one of the best coaches in the world, and he's still around and still coaching, there would be Louis Simmons, but could you afford him as a 16, 17? Maybe not. So find a local guy that competes to high standard, 
who, who gets his lifts passed by the referees at competitions to show you how to squat, to show you the difference in foot stance, bench press, how, how, how wide your eye, how much of an arch your backs are, how wide your hands apart are, feet planted on the floor, can you do this, can you do what federation you can be lifted in. Maybe even go and talk to a judge. Some of these guys, they like the coach in the gym, and if they're a judge and they're a referee, they'll be able to show you that stuff exactly how it needs to be done. But don't be afraid, borrow some money off a of mummy and daddy and pay, pay 40 bucks and get somebody who's been there, seen you and done it to walk you through each of the lifts. In fact, for powerlifting, three lessons, four lessons. You don't have to go and see this guy every week. You don't have to, you don't have to be with him from now to the end of your lifting career. Just get them to show you the basics. If you're a bodybuilder, sometimes the same thing applies again. Every single man alive seems to know how to curl or do a bicycle in the same way they need to have to make a muscle is flexing their bicep. But how about someone who shows you how to completely turn your hand over, how to really supinate to get that real proper bicep flex, how to hold the dumbbell this particular way? Do you have all your fingers on your fat, your fat? Lots of lots of little nuances. And sometimes someone will come along and just show you an extra five or ten percent of an exercise that you wasn't doing, and it's kind of it's almost like it's a whole new exercise. So it's definitely worth something like that. As Steve Lee said, if you've got a great coach at school or in your university or college or someone down the gym, it's worth having them show you the basics. The things they can't teach you, of course, is attitude. They can't get you under the bar. They can't make your desire to want to be strong appear, but they can show you how to lift safely, and it's kind of worth it. I think I was <clears throat> a little bit lucky myself in that the first gym I actually went and trained in that wasn't in my house, my parents' place, uh, the, there was an ex-police officer called Ted Nuttall, and Ted had me doing lunges for 20 minutes, one leg, 20 minutes with another leg. That's probably the worst leg workout I've ever had. And it was with a fucking broomstick, Steve. It just killed me. And there was a powerlifting fellow there showing me about putting the bar load down on my shoulder. And there was a guy that was real muscular. So I kind of had the best of all three worlds in probably the first or second time that I ever went to a gym. I, I was fortunate enough, being the kind of chatty fellow that I am, that we're going, I'm not afraid to ask questions. I'm not afraid to go up to guys who know their stuff. I'm always kind of polite with those situations until I get to know them real well. But I, I'm, I'm quite observant. I'm quite uh, able to learn, hopefully, as much as I possibly can, to the point now, like Steve, where I would do consults, where I would do uh, teaching and coaching myself. And sometimes, even in coaching somewhere else, you, you, you learn about these things as well. So I think, yeah, probably the best advice, Steve, is stick up $20, $30, whatever it takes for, for the, an hourly lesson with someone who absolutely knows their game tipped up and it's worth picking their brains and go in there with it. I'm going to learn, pay attention to what you're being taught and get that solid foundation at the best possible start you can. The worst thing to do is to go away, think you know how to squat, for example, and find that you're hurting yourself every five minutes and then eventually spend that 30, 40, 50 dollars, whatever it takes and coming back and having to maybe waste six months or a year learning how to do these things and you've been injury prone maybe you get put off training it's kind of a waste so yeah there's a million youtube videos there's a ton of books you could still go out and buy there's a bunch of stuff you can look up online but sometimes the best thing to do is spend 30 40 dollars and have someone hands-on i've seen guys looking at their phones in the gym to see how an exercise done and there's a fucking pt or the gym manager just over there and you're like Go and talk to them, guys. Don't do the YouTube stuff when there's a man there that can teach you hands-on. It'll do it for free if you've just paid the money to come and use the gym. 
or if there's a PT, spend the money, spend, especially with something like this. I wouldn't, for example, do arm wrestling as strong as I am tomorrow without someone showing me all the tricks and techniques. Absolutely not. I'm fortunate and I know people like that. And again, come on the forums. There's enough guys, not just ourselves, but there's enough members based all over the world, but especially in the US, where we almost certainly say, listen, there's a gym up the road that does power. Go there. Drive down for the day with the wife, stick her, stick her in the shops, stick her in the mall, you hit the gym, you go and pick the brains of these guys, $100, come out, you go home, and, and you're set for the rest of the year. Absolutely done. And they'll, they'll show you how to put your wraps on, they'll show you how to wear your belt, how to hitch it, do this kind of stuff. They'll show you the tricks and techniques. If you're already lifting, they'll show you the little tricks that give you those extra few kilos on the bar. We used to do that. When we had the gym in Gloucester, we'd have guys come down from all over and I could get them to put five or 10 kilos more on their axle press, for example, Steve, just by having one of the guys who knew all the tricks stand in front of us, demonstrate the lift as I talked them through it. And then this guy that had come all the way, let's say 100 miles to the gym, five minutes later, he's got a five or 10 kilo PB just because he'd learned a new trick to get that bar overhead by doing all the stuff that was within the rules that he wasn't doing before. It was well worth the gas that he'd put in a car and the time that was spent driving down to see us two hours and then an hour in the gym and then two hours on the way. So it's a five-hour investment of time, $30, 30 bucks, 30 pounds into the, in the petrol tank and he goes away happy because he's got a PV. It was well worth it because we showed him all the things that he needed to know. Yeah, back to you. Yeah, it's really good. I think, I think a lot of... Um young people who are going to be successful are the ones that can go Listen. in there and pick, pick the older guys brains yeah. instead yeah. of being stubborn and be like, yeah, I'm going to do it that way. Cause that's the thing with powerlifting. Um, it's, it's one of those things where anybody can do it. Anyone yeah. can go in there and get stronger. It doesn't matter how bad your genetics are. You can have the worst genetics. If you go in there and you put in the hours, you can get stronger. That's the beauty of it. That's why a lot of guys gravitate to powerlifting instead of bodybuilding. Bodybuilding, if you don't have the genetics for bodybuilding, you will never be a bodybuilder. But with powerlifting, you could still get better. You're not going to necessarily win anything. Yeah but you can still improve and get stronger and build self-esteem. So powerlifting is one of those things. I think all younger guys should get into powerlifting and forget bodybuilding. Just start out powerlifting. And, and some of these guys like Ronnie Coleman started yes, out as exactly, powerlifters. Yeah. So I have a lot of, you know, bias towards starting out because I started out as a powerlifter myself. So I have a lot of bias toward it. You build a strong base. And then later on, if you want to switch to bodybuilding, yeah. You can switch to bodybuilding. And Larry Wills thought about switching to bodybuilding, but he ended up sticking with powerlifting. But later on, he could decide, I want, hey, I want to switch, you know? Listen up, guys. I mean, the, the number one thing that we try to give you with these podcasts, especially the last few that we've done, is to become a better version of you. So you might not end up with Larry Wills' physique. You might not have my grip strength. You might not, you know, have, have Steve Lee's six-pack, you, but you will be better than you should be better with our help and our assistance and this kind of advice. You should be better on the journey that you're going to take. And as Steve says, if you go into, let's imagine you're a man or a woman and you've gone to the bench, bench press for the first time and all you can do is the barbell with the collars on, no weights, all 20, 25 kilos, depending on the weight of the bar. That's all you can do in one rep. Where the only way is up. Now you sure you're not going to go out there and do a raw bench press with with just a, a tunic on or something like this of a thousand pounds or or an eight hundred pound uh, bench press with just a t-shirt on. It's not going to happen. 
But what you could end up doing is doubling or tripling what the bar weight. So you go from 20 to kilos, 40 to kilos, to 60 kilos. You've raised your bar, your game by 300%. Your journey, which is important to you, has, has been amazing. If I could raise my, my first one rep max, which I believe was 90 kilos, 200 pounds, way back in the day when I was 16, 17 years of age, if I could do three times that now, oh my God. I'd be benching 270 kilos, Steve, the best part of 600 pounds. So that person's journey from the bar to 60 kilos would have been amazing. So that thing, that challenge, that aspect, that sort of teaching you that kind of stuff, as Steve said, as a foundation, perversely, I was actually the other way around, more of a bodybuilder who switched the strength. But Steve is correct for most guys. In fact, as we said already, but learning how to squat, learning how to deadlift, learning how to bench, and a couple of other basic movements from a good coach and training for strength will build you muscle. And then that aspect of the, the learning, the ability to focus, the ability to push hard is going to switch over the bodybuilding real, real well. You're, you're no... Steve and I from these podcasts as well, that we pretty much every person that we address on these podcasts uh, as a subject has some sort of genetic advantage and some sort of athletic background. It's rare that we had have one or two, including recent ones, where they've started off kind of skinny, specifically the Instagram guys, and have built some muscle up. But for the most part, the recognized names, the big names, have had some kind of background. And a lot of the time, if you speak to them in yourself, if he comes up to the opportunity to talk to them at a seminar, I guarantee Steve and I would guarantee that nine times out of ten, they've had someone really good, show them the ropes, as we say in the UK, show them the basics, whether it was a basics of nutrition, basis of PED use, or the basis of training. And that solid advice is what's enabled them to live for 20, 30, 40 years sometimes. We, we've got, we, we mentioned with the Chris Dickerson podcast, I think he was still living, lifting at 67, Steve. And I've said to on previous podcasts, I said, I want to be an eight-year-old benching in the gym. So that lifelong journey can start. And it more times than not, it starts with someone giving you solid-ass advice right at the beginning and keeping you in the game. If we all went down to the gym and we was a bit haphazard, that's why most people don't stick it out. That's why it's, it's tough. It's hard. But when you've got these guys behind you, motivating and inspiring you, it doesn't have to. It can still be tough and hard, but for some reason, it gets into your blood. And because they've showed you, you end up helping people. This is exactly what Steve Spinney and I are doing on this podcast. We're giving out information. We're helping people. When any of the podcasts, when many of the guys from Evo, that's what we're trying to do. We're spreading information about nutrition, BDs, and training. We're passing on the knowledge that was given to us to other people. That's great. It's great. It makes us feel good to help you guys. Back to you, Steve. So let's get into the steroids. Oh, yeah. Mobster had mentioned earlier about Larry Wheels. He had a really, he messed around a lot of stuff when he was a teenager. Seemed like yeah. he messed around a lot of stuff and he eliminated these recreational drugs and stuff to steroids. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. kind of saved him, ironically, in, in his situation. That kind of gave him a motivation. The World Rob Powerlifting Federation, WRPR, not drug tested. So you're going to go up against guys who are using steroids. So if you're going to be able to, do well you're gonna have to use steroids uh not necessarily i mean i used to power lift and i went up against guys who were using steroids and i did not use steroids and i still did well but steroids do work um, when it comes to strength they work um and and some of these steroids that are out there work incredibly well so 
Larry's open about it. He admitted he took testosterone. He took Anadrol leading up to one of his competitions. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's also admitted to taking Superdrol clones. At the time, you could go online, mobster in the United States, and legally buy Superdrol clones over yeah. the counter with a credit card. So it was oh, yeah. easy to get. Um, that that would have been the t- around the time when he was a, a, a teenager. So no doubt he he did that. Trenbolone, great for strength. He admitted, admits to using it. Dianabol and Toronobol as well. The East Germans used Toronobol back in the day, uh, 50s and 60s, and it helped them do well in the Olympics. Dianabol, that was uh, something the American Olympians used back in the day. That mm-hmm. was basically their replacement for testosterone because testosterone isn't injectable. Dianabol was oral. They wanted to take something that wasn't so taboo, something that you could just take. They took Dianabol and it worked. They were able to do better in the Olympics because of Dianabol. So these steroids are great for strength. And it's ironic that he took them because I have no doubt he, he did a lot of trial and error and he came up with these. So, you know, the testosterone, the anadrol, the superdrol, the trembolone, dianabol, and the teronabol, those six are great for strength. I would throw in Halo. He's probably messed with Halo as well uh, since then. Halo is another one great for strength. If you find legit Halo, that is Halo testing. Larry also talks about how awful he felt when he would use these steroids. It, he, yeah. he basically said, this is one of his uh, quotes, that it felt like a rat that was on a stomach eating away at his body. I've been there, done that. Um, when you use a lot of these strong, toxic, androgenic steroids, what they do in your body, they're so toxic that they throw off your cholesterol levels in your body, which causes everything else to get thrown off your organ health gets thrown off your livers your kidneys your uh, prostate gets inflamed your skin starts having issues these these toxic steroids they also prevent waste material from exiting your body efficiently it'd be like um, in your house your sewage system which releases the sewage out of your house getting blocked so that's what happens you're putting so much stress on your body. So of course you're going to feel like crap when you're using these. So these are very, very toxic, but they work for strength. You could literally just take Superdrol 20 milligrams a day for four weeks. And let's say you're at a plateau, you can't break 300 pounds. After two weeks on it, you will not only break 300 pounds, you'll probably be closer to 330. Um, That's how fast these steroids work but man they are brutal on the body so the amount of damage he did to his body at such a young age he's gonna have to be on trt the rest of his life there's no way that's the danger of using steroids when you're that young so also the health ramifications guys in some ways you can get away with it when you're young but as you it's going to take years off his life it's going to take years off his life if he continues to abuse steroids, which he's going to have to, if he's going to have, if he's going to stay this strong, because the amount of strength he has versus how much strength he would have if he was natural, it's, it's like apples and oranges. So when I took Tremolone, for example, I was benching 350 pounds for reps and I'm only, I'm only five, 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 six. The most 
I've weighed guys is 190 some pounds. Um, I think the highest weight I've ever gotten to is like 195. And I probably had like 14% body fat at that size. And that was the strongest I've ever been. And to be able to bench that much weight, I was benching at my peak in the low 400. So what ended up happening to me was when I would run the trend, I'd get stronger, stronger, stronger. And I'd come off the trend and my strength would come back down. So mm. it's hard psychologically to have your strength drop like that because that trend is no longer in your system. That trend's no longer working its magic. So what do you do? You go back on trend, of course. So this is the kind of thing that he's going to have to uh, fight through is he's going to have to run these toxic steroids if he's going to keep his strength up. It's gonna, he's not going to be able to go back to running, uh, to, to, to go backwards and run Primo or EQ or these mild steroids or, or, you know, any of these mild steroids or a low dose of testosterone or TRT dose of testosterone. It's not going to fly. He ain't going to be able to do that much weight. So he's going to continue abusing steroids. This is the problem. And what's going to end up happening, he's going to lower his life expectancy drastically unless he decides one day you know what i'm done with these steroids i'm gonna accept that i'm not gonna be as strong as i was and i'm gonna have to back off so that's the kind of psychological mind fuck that happens when you run steroids at such a young age um and i didn't start running steroids so i was about 28 29 i'm officer you didn't start running steroids the year 37 yeah so you were even older than that so yeah yeah which is yeah which is amazing because steroid laws in your country are are much less restrictive than they are for sure yeah yeah so so that's kind of funny but um yeah in his situation it's just it's really not a good idea guys um to mess with steroids at a young age it's not just the reproductive destruction that these these uh, hormones are going to do but it's the psychological effects it's also the other health Ben, uh, effects that are going to happen that you can't see and when they opened Dallas McCarver and they did the autopsy they found so much stuff wrong with him that you can't see from the outside so that's that's one of the problems with with bodybuilding and in this industry is that people are under the false assumption if someone looks a certain way they're going to be healthy and it's just not the case what's inside someone is not going to be reflective on, on what's outside of them in all situations if you're a crackhead on the underpass, you can tell, hey, this person has some health problems on the outside and on the inside, they have health problems. But that's the that's the grift of bodybuilding is that someone on the outside looks super healthy. Really? Wow, this person is super healthy. But on the inside, they're really, really dying inside. And we've seen guys die at young ages. So hopefully, Larry, you know, he's smart when it comes to this stuff. And he knows, hey, I got to take a break from eating all this food. I got to take a break from steroids. I got to take a break from these supplements. I got to give my body a break and I got to sacrifice some strength here and there. But unfortunately, that's most likely not the case because, again, it's a mindfuck. He wants to stay strong year round. He wants to compete in these different competitions. So it's it's definitely you know something that he's going to it's going to, it's going to rear its ugly head as he gets down the line. So, you know, the younger you start messing around with these hormones, guys, the sooner the problem is going to come. So you know, let's go over really quick. I know you want to jump in mobster. I'll definitely let you finish up, when uh, you but let me go over his steroid cycle. This is the cycle we can speculate that he ran ahead of a competition. Testosterone, 1200 milligrams a week. Um, Trenbolone, 500 milligrams a week. The Trenbolone is definitely in there it's the bully 
uh, Tremblone, the strongest steroid you could possibly take um, when it comes to an injectable for sure. And Tremblone turns, it's the nectar of the gods. It will get you strong like nothing else. Superdrol, 50 milligrams a day. Very, very toxic, guys. Even 20 milligrams a day, 10 milligrams a day is toxic. Brutal, brutal oral steroid, guys. But it works for strength and it works fast. I mean, within days, you'll notice your lifts will go up. You do six reps at this time, this weight, you're going to do eight reps after like four or five days taking Superdrol. Just that 10 or 20 milligrams a day. Dianable, 50 milligrams a day. Mobster alluded to earlier, joints. This probably helps his joints, lubricates, lubricate everything up, gives it a little cushion. Toronto 50 milligrams a day. Hey, why not throw it in? And then cruising, you know, I talked about, you know, him taking breaks. Well, this is him taking a break. 500 milligrams <laughs> a week of testosterone and 150 milligrams a day of anadol. That's his cruise. That's his cruise. A normal <laughs> human being would cruise at 100 milligrams a week of test. That's it. But he's yeah, that's way too much, but yeah, but yeah. you're right. He, he's cruising at that because... He doesn't want to lose strength. It's a mind. Well, he can't loss. afford to lose it. Yeah. He can't afford to. And he, he, can't can't lose, he, he can't lose. He can't lose. The, no, the, he can't. The, it looks too bad on the videos. He would lose the strength that he needs every single time he's recording the video. He, guys, he actually needs the, the, the cruise that Steve suggests. I was laughing, but I bet it's correct. He kind of, in our opinion, he would need to have this kind of stuff. He actually, his, listen, right? When I'm at work, it doesn't matter how I look or how much I can bench or whatever else. But for Larry, it's his living. This is, and he's not making this money from competitions. He's not winning money at the Olympia, winning money, 5,000 bucks or something for the best bench in America. He's not winning He makes money from looking good on, the, on Instagram and from looking good on YouTube. He needs to be strong. When the guys, now don't get me wrong, he's not trying to lift massive crazy weights every time he's on video, but he literally needs to be strong and look good every time the camera out and does a recording. So he kind of has to do this kind of stuff. I've, I agree 100% with Steve. I've made a bunch of this here, right? Larry's done a couple of videos specifically to do with have I what we what, what we, we describe as the hepta. Have I have I screwed my endocrine system? Has being on steroids damaged me? He's done a couple of videos on that. Right. I'm also considering what we didn't mention in the cycle here, injury recovery with his TB500, BBC156, a bunch of other stuff he could be doing there. He needs to recover from those injuries. So there's things not mentioned that he almost certainly would include had he got an injury. An injury. Something Steve touched on with the heliocestin, and I've added here check drops for, for the strength stuff, specifically when he's been on the last couple of weeks running up to a powerlifting competition or strength competition. He's two very nasty very potent orals would probably be included in the psycho check drops is literally a single drop under the tongue on the day of a competition you really shouldn't run it for more than two weeks and pretty much every single version of the cycle that's included check drops and for that matter halo testing a very short i think halo testing the guys talk about four weeks the recommendations are for four weeks and check drops is if you're not doing it under the tongue sublingually on the day of a competition which sublingually guys absorb through the mucous membranes underneath the tongue and it gives you that aggression for the day. As a cycle drug, I've never seen a single recommendation that was longer than two weeks because it's incredibly intense as an oral in terms of the damage to your system. On, on, on damage to the system, again, that Steve, some of the things that Steve mentioned, one I made a note of here was nosebleeds. I believe I've seen a video of Larry with a nosebleed doing a, a strength competition or very, very heavy powerlift. 
your blood pressure through the roof, and you're taking drugs that are increasing your blood pressure. Now, these guys, it's risk and reward. A world record versus a nosebleed, a world record versus very, very temporarily, hopefully, high blood pressure. Long-term, crazy damage into your health. Short-term, with his genetics, with the risk-reward that he has, it, it's a maybe. Um, staying on, yeah, honestly, he absolutely can't come off until he's 40 or 50 years of age, and even then, because the damage would have been done, it's going to stay on. That is not something that we recommend for most of you guys. On certain we don't recommend super high cycles. We don't recommend some of these crazy Orioles. We don't recommend crazy amounts of trend. And if you don't, if you do the things that we don't recommend, then your long-term health and your ability to not have to cruise and not to be on TLC should be higher. The mindset, I'll put here, the mindset of being on versus off. Quite simply, and Steve touched on it with the trend, how you think when you're on for some individuals it's enhanced for others it's just a feel-good sensation i feel great i'm lifting heavier weights i feel strong etc but for other guys it's almost man and superman and the way that they feel on and coming off becomes as steve said as a mind fuck i've got here when it comes to the higher stuff on trend i could see him actually up in the dose steve seriously and that's not something i would normally say but again for short high and short periods of time six seven hundred milligrams Again, in the run-up to some of his bigger strength competitions right now, but the stuff that he's doing recently with the arm wrestling, probably not. Something else that Steve touched upon, and I, I would like to see Larry do it, but I can't see that Larry will. And it's, again, it's just my opinion, is that with the top professional bodybuilders, I'm thinking Ronnie Coleman and specifically Dexter Jackson, and I believe also uh, Jay Cutler was doing this, Phil Heath as well, in fact, if I think about it, is that they, they talked about having time off supplements being a euphemism for steroids and in specific cases they'd actually mention steroids so eight nine months of the year competition whether it's the arnold and the olympia or just the olympia or whatever else bulking getting ripped for competition competition dieting down and so on and so forth but they would have a timeout, as we won't put it for three months of the year i don't think larry can take or afford to have a timeout. there is no period of the year when i suspect he's off or clean uh, and, and I say, I'll use Dexter Jackson as a very good example of this. Nine months of the year training, nine months of the year pushing the protein, nine months of the year handing the weights, uh, nine months of the year dieting down for competition or dieting up and then dieting down for a competition. Three months, nothing. No supplements, no excess protein, go on a cruise with the wife and the kids, completely relaxed, completely clean, uh, at worst, down to TRT levels. I don't think, I think Larry, because of the whole video, because of the Instagram, because of the social media stuff, I, I'm thinking he's going to be on all the time. So, yeah. And you can see this as well. What you don't always see uh, with the videos, which you do get to see sometimes in photographs, if you want to see what's going on, check out the skin. We've got a bunch of guys that have come onto the forums, women as well, when, when their skins broke out because they're on high doses or high for them doses of testosterone and other PEDs. And quite simply, it's, it works thus. It's like putting uh, nitrous oxide or very high octane fuel into an old banger. If you're an average person doing what essentially is like rocket fuel drugs, to use that particular euphemism, going to burn things out. If you're a genetic freak, you can kind of get away with it. If every other aspect of what you're doing in your life is super healthy, maybe you can get away with it. 
But what we quite often see is it's like it's going like going back to puberty for some people in terms of the acne and the spots and the breakouts on their skin. And that's because you are you've gone turbo, you've gone rocket fuel, you've gone you've gone hard on a body that's not used to going hard. So we talk about products like N2 Guard, we talk about guys hydrating themselves more, we say up your vitamin C, you know. There's, there are that we've had forum members. I think Steve knows this as well, where they've had to shower twice a day. Trend, for example, making you sweat, and you're sweating more than normal. And sometimes it's the toxins and the and the crap's coming out through your skin, and your body's working at twice its normal speed in terms of trying to push out the toxins and trying to say, you know, what is this foreign body that you've put into me? You're, you're doing this crazy stuff down the gym, and the muscles are great, but maybe your tendons are not. It's all these kind of things. You have to have this awareness. And again, guys, we tell you this. You should know it. You absorb that information. And then you decide whether to roll the dice and do the crazy stuff or not. You know, listen to what we have to say. Pay attention to guys like Larry. When Larry, as I said already, has sat down with an expert on, I believe, at least one, if not two videos and had his blood test and talked about what's good and bad on the blood test. Steve Smith covered this in an article of his. You've got information on the forums to the same. We quite often go through the guys' numbers, telling them where they should be for their age, for their body fat levels, and so on and so forth. Say so Larry's done the same thing where he says, listen, you know, this is this would be crazy, this would be bad. Why why are my levels like this? Why what what what's what does this mean to my long-term health and so on and so forth? And he's done that multiple times. I say uh, refer to it, and I believe at least one, if not two, videos where he's referred to it. And he's trying to help you. He's seeing if himself is good to go. Can I keep on doing what I'm doing? Is there an issue for my long-term health? Can I do this for the next 10 or 15 years? And an obvious example with regards to this stuff, and perhaps it's a, 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 this is the reason why he's turned away from that, not just because of the risk of injuries, but perhaps he realised his blood pressure was too high doing the harder drugs for the strength stuff. So as good as a strength athlete as he is, he can't pound the stuff on the strong man, and he can't pound the stuff at the higher levels of powerlifting. And, and you know, get multiple world records and change different federations and so on and so forth because perhaps it was too hard on his body. Arm wrestling, by comparison, has some guys using steroids. I've seen some of the heavyweight guys using steroids. But the risk of injury is very high. And steroids and injury is not necessarily a good mix. Uh, lots of torn biceps, lots of strained ligaments in the bicep, but it attaches to the elbow, where it attaches to the shoulder or the rear of the shoulder and stuff like that. And that's super tough on the tendons. And sometimes there's a good thing for steroids again, Steve, where uh, the reason we used to see bicep and pec tears back in the day, especially pec tears back in the day, was that the guys had gone on a cycle and added a load of muscle and put on a lot more weight on the bar, like Steve was talking about with his bench press earlier on, and the tendons hadn't had the chance to catch up in terms of their strength. They're much slower growing, much slower recovering from injuries and from this extra stress that you're putting on. And steroids sometimes enhance your strength so much that your tendons can't keep up with it. So we'd see these terrible pec tears, quad tears on the bodybuilders back in the day. Obviously, you now we've got these peptides that help you heal. But why? It, it's, it's that risk reward again. For Larry, and this is the, the takeaway, for Larry, the risk reward is good. I'm going to get $100,000 if this video makes it and goes to a million plus. I'm going to get $1,000 in the next couple of days if this video does really, really well. He... He lives in the Middle East, possibly as a way of dealing with the whole COVID issue, but also as a real nice place to live. It's got some great gyms. He's living the life. So for him, the risk reward is good. For the rest of us, it's not. If you're Joe Blow 
working down at a low supermarket packing bags and you want to be the world's strongest athlete and you're taking all these steroids, it's not the risk reward's kind of low. You're still getting minimum wage, $15 an hour. I don't know necessarily that I'd want to spend my $15 an hour on some crazy stories making me crazy strong and then injure myself, perhaps pushing some trolleys out into the supermarket car park. The risk reward then would be very, very low. For a genetic freak like Larry, the risk reward is very high. It is still doesn't know where he's going to be long term. I've been lifting, Steve, longer than Larry's been alive. <laughs> Never mind the steroid cycle. Longer than the man's been alive. So it's going to be kind of that weird sensation of where's Larry going to be in five to 10, 15 years from now? I like to see him around. He seems like a nice guy. He's had a tough, tough upbringing to get where he is today. I want, I want him to still be lifting 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Whether he will or he won't, we shall see. In the meantime, we'll, we'll make sure to link you guys to his YouTube uh, account so you can see what he's doing, see some of the stuff that you're talking about. If nothing else, I like his life. It's kind of cool. Whether it's the girlfriend, whether it's a Dubai thing, whether it's the great gyms, whether it's lifting and, and fooling around with these other strength athletes, that's kind of cool. I don't know that the risk-reward thing would be something that I'd necessarily want to play with for myself. But then again, I'm not Larry Wills. You ain't Larry Wills. None of the listeners are Larry Wills unless we're very lucky, Larry. If you're listening in, we're saying hi. All right, back to you, Steve. All right, guys, that sums it up, guys. I hope you enjoyed this this podcast. We've got another one coming next week. Mobster, do you want oh, a yeah. preview? Do you want to preview who oh, we're no. I'm just going to say death cycle and say no more. If you know what the death cycle is, people are going to know who we're going to be doing. That's it. That's your only clue. <laughs> All right. Should be easy to figure <laughs> that one out. Yeah. If you guys follow. If not, really you'll, easy. Love, you'll love the, the show next week, guys. Uh, it's going to be. Oh, that's uh, going to be crazy, man. It's going to be a good one, guys. So check it out. All right, guys. For Steve Smee and the Mops, this has been episode 132. Larry Wheels Williams. Love that nickname. Talk to you guys next <laughs> week. Enjoy it. See you soon, guys. Ta-da.